This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. You're listening to Seeing and Believing, a film and television podcast that searches for the sacred on screen. I'm Wade Bearden. And I'm Kevin McLenathan. And Wade, I, I don't I know that you may not be aware of this because we record remotely, so we're not in the same room very often, but if you looked at me, you'd you know I've been I've been working out. I've been brushing up on my martial arts skills. Oh wow. Oh well I'm actually a, a martial artist too. What what degree black belt are you? Oh, I'm the 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 high one, the the big the 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 big degree of black belt. I've, you you probably have never heard of the degree of black belt. I, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm like twentieth degree, uh, uh, ninety eight degrees actually, uh, black belt. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Listeners, today we are looking at the new MCU movie directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, Shang Chi, and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It's going to be all axe kicks and 20th degree black belts from here on episode 304 of Seeing and Believing. You have the wrong guy. Does he look like he can fight? Come on, bro. You okay? y'all it's your boy clev coming at you live on the bus i actually did take a little bit of martial arts as a youth so i'm gonna try and grade this fight as we're going yes listeners we are here episode 304 of seeing and believing we're going to get to Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Kevin, I just have one question before we jump into our review, and that's how did J.R.R. Tolkien do it with one ring when he could have had ten rings? I'm so confused right now. Yeah, he's probably just adhering to the less is more dictum. I mean, to be fair, there you you did this to yourself, right? You brought this on yourself. There were actually yeah. 20 rings because, you know, oh. the nine... Rings for men and the seven dwarven rings and the three elven rings. And of course, the one ring into which mm. Sauron poured all of his cruelty and his malice. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to think about it that way, Tolkien actually doubled the number of rings of power in mm. in his books. So, wow. Silly me to yes, not was... trust Tolkien. He always anticipates that. He is one step or dare I say, 10 rings ahead of our normal amount of rings. <laughs> yes, and, and silly you for encouraging a Lord of the Rings nerd to talk freely about uh, Lord of the Rings. That was unforced error away, big yeah. time unforced error. Yeah, so the rest of our episode, we're going to be talking about Lord of the Rings 
and then we're going to get to the Ten Rings. Now, we'll hop into our review of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It released this last weekend, and I'm sure there are a number of listeners out there who are excited, as always, Kevin, to hear our thoughts about a superhero film. And I'm interested if, if there's any betting going on. Which one of us will like this film? Which one of us will not like it? Or will both of us like it? Both of us dislike it? Who knows? I don't know what the over or under is now. Uh, I don't know. It seems like a, a, uh, a dangerous business maybe to to <laughs> really lay a lot of money on those kinds of things because, you know, you never know. You could end up losing your shirt the mm. way the, the protagonist in this movie does a couple of times. It it happens in in normal life, especially if you are really ripped you just happen to lose your shirt periodically it's just it just happens and it happens in this film spoiler uh, the main character does lose his shirt before we jump into our review however kevin i want to take an opportunity and thank all of our listeners for supporting us via our patreon campaign or all of the listeners who do support us via our patreon campaign we are so appreciative of that you can hop on over to patreon.com forward slash seeing underscore believing underscore podcast. We have a number of different donation levels. One of those is the what can you buy for $5 level. And Kevin, that always begs the question, what could someone buy for 5 bucks? Well, I don't need to remind anyone listening to this that we are still in the middle of a pandemic amazingly mm-hmm. and so masks are still a thing and you know designer masks obviously are mm. a thing as well but for five dollars you can actually get a very special kind of designer mask weight it's five dollars for just one mask but this mask comes with a megaphone so that you can both protect others from deadly viruses while also broadcasting all of your opinions about deadly viruses and masks mm. so it seems like a, a a thing made specifically for our cultural moment. Wow. Well, I thought you were going to say a mass that actually opens and closes with your mouth so people can still read your lips. But you went in another direction, probably a safer direction, if I'm being honest. I love the megaphone idea. Yeah. I, I mean, and it's it's more realistic. I mean, we don't have Tony Stark's like micro robot technology where he can mm-hmm. sort of just nanotech. make his iron his nanotech yes thank you <laughs> you know um, you had your lord of the rings moment and this is my moment here <laughs> I, I i stand humbled in the dust i i now see the error of my ways yes we don't have the nanobot technology where you know we can just make things materialize out of thin air over our bodies and protect us so you know you've got to be a little bit clunkier here in the the real world, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yes, a little clunkier, but for $5, you can support us, get the bonuses, get our Patreon-exclusive episodes, all of that jazz. We do appreciate it. Once again, head on over to patreon.com forward slash seeing underscore believing underscore podcast. Let me give you an official synopsis for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings as we hop on into our review. I mentioned before, this is directed by Destin Daniel Cretton. He also directed Short Term 12, a film that I very much liked. And actually, I went into the movie 
not even knowing who directed it, Kevin, and was surprised to to see his name. I thought that was that was pretty pretty neato. So here's the official synopsis: Martial arts master Shang Chi, played by Simu Liu, confronts the past he thought he left behind when he's drawn into the web of the mysterious Ten Rings organization, which just by the way happens to be run by his father who's played by Tony Leung. Kevin Aquafina also stars. I like her a lot. I think she's funny in this film. But as we do get into our review, this is the second Marvel movie that we've come across in 2021. Actually, the second one we've come across in the last couple of years because of the pandemic. This also treads new ground, giving us a world we haven't quite seen before in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Were these new characters and this new territory, Kevin, enough to pique your interest and carry it throughout the movie? Well, I I was really gratified at the the beginning of the movie to really see uh, the the action in this movie take a slightly different tack than kind of what we've gotten used to in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, that's it's a fight scene that that takes place between Tony Leung's character and uh, the the woman who will eventually become his wife, and they they kind of square off in the middle of this uh, forest, and the fight that they engage in is equal parts ballet balletic. It's it's very dance like. It's uh, there's some romantic heat to it, and it's also just really interesting as fight choreography to watch. And when I when I saw that at the beginning of this film, I thought that was just so promising because it was the first time in a while Wade and I know I you know I I gripe a lot about the MCU. So, you know, apologies for for that you know, leading off that here, but there's uh something about the the MCU action where it kind of just feels like it's there to be to be there. Like it's there to hmm. fit a template and you know we have the character moments and then we have the action scenes and they're kind of the action scenes are kind of just there for the fireworks razzle dazzle dimension of things they don't really accomplish a whole lot in terms of really uh fleshing out the the characters or the world or or really doing anything than than you know kind of providing some um some eye candy for the audience and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that but definitely gets a little samey after a while. So it was really nice to see in Shang-Chi this, this action sequence that feels a lot more like something out of uh, something like Cr- Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where there's this there's this uh, beauty to it. And there's also uh, the beginning of a relationship, the genesis of a relationship that we see develop over the course of that fight scene. And I was really happy to see that. I, I wish that that kind of... Um, off the beaten track approach to the Marvel formula had persisted throughout the rest of the film. And I mean, this is, you know, the part where I have the, but appended to, to uh, <laughs> the good thing I said is it's, it was really good, but mm. it never really manages to escape the gravitational pull mm. of the Marvel formula. And in fact, I would say that in this particular case, and again, I know I gripe a lot about the Marvel formula and maybe I should throttle back on that a little bit because 
I feel like with Shang-Chi especially, that formula is particularly ruinous to what the movie does so well. Mm. It's funny you say that because in my notes for this film, I mention how some of these early action sequences, these martial arts sequences, they're fun. I love the longer takes that we get to see. So we actually get to see these actors, these uh, stunt individuals do martial arts. Uh, we get these longer shots, sometimes even wider shots. I, I enjoy that. Uh, I also wrote down how these sequences develop character. We, we start to learn about who these characters are. And I would say that actually carries through not just to that first sequence that I really liked as well. I love the production design on it too. Uh, but to even the second, maybe even third sequence in the movie. And then after that, it, it sort of dies down for me. I too was disappointed by the end. I was, I don't know, a little little bored. You know there's going to be a lot of explosions. You know a lot of quote-unquote fireworks, right? And there wasn't anything new there. I felt like the character development hit hit pause uh we do get some scenes with characters who uh make emotional choices but it didn't really hit like that earlier one uh for for me at least i i i liked the movie i thought it i thought it was it was fine i think i liked probably being with these characters i don't think the character development was perfect here i, I think i liked being with these characters and probably being in this world more than I liked, I guess, especially the second half of the movie. And so that's, this is one of those movies where I say, oh yeah, you know, it, it was good. It was, it was fine. Um, I'm actually, I would be interested in seeing a sequel. I, I like to, to, to be here. And it's so different than what we've seen from other MCU films uh, that, that I, I found it a bit refreshing. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't hurt that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the first person to observe this is really tony leung's movie the you know tony leung he plays kind of the the villain of the movie this this millennia old uh warlord who has you know built up this empire over the course of many many years thanks to the immortality that these these 10 rings in his possession give him and leung really he his his character is just so fascinating like it's it's interesting just to have a character that has lived that long so you know that this is a a an individual who has you know crazy amounts of perspective has been around forever and watching that character negotiate relationships with uh, you know people who are you know mere mortals uh, and and you know develop feelings and attachments for them. That's an inherently compelling premise. And for an actor of Tony Leung's stature to step into those shoes is a real treat to watch. And you know, whenever he is on screen uh, in this film, I think that's when the movie's at its best because he does bring this kind of this this gravity and very subtle menace. Like he's not. Uh, a sort of villain, like there, you, you think of a character like Killmonger, who's probably one of the other really 
great MCU villains. And Killmonger is kind of working in a different register, right? Like he's he's a complex character, but he's also very there there are very obvious villainous aspects to to him. Whereas Tony Leung, the way he plays this role is is very muted. You get a sense there's kind of uh, an edge beneath uh, the surface here, but it's very it's very it's sheathed, I guess. Hmm. And he only really takes the the blade of his villainy out of its sheath in very select moments. And when he does, it's just captivating to watch. And the rest of the time, he just brings this gravitas to the character that is very compelling to watch to the point where whenever he's not on screen, I kind of felt myself getting antsy, like the the standard... Mm. Marvel template of okay, we're gonna have some some wisecracks, and there's going to be some uh, some cameos from the other franchises in here, and it just felt kind of like oh, I'm not I'm not interested in those things. It feels like the movie has the winning lottery ticket in its hand with Tony Leung's character and the way that it examines how he's kind of torn between his attachment to Simu Liu's uh, uh, character uh, here, the protagonist. And his wife, and they're they're his family, so he's torn between his attachment to them, but also he just has these millennia of experiences in his head. He's got this attachment to violence and power that he almost is addicted to at this point. Like he doesn't know what to do with himself if he doesn't have those things. And seeing that character kind of tugged between those two complete polar opposite attachments is just really fascinating. And yet for some reason, the movie really doesn't seem like it knows that that's what, what it's about, if that makes sense. It feels like the movie wants to be about a few things and none of them are all that interesting except for the villain's plot. And it just, it's again, it's like it has the winning lottery ticket in its hand, but then just kind of throws it away to pursue <laughs> other vastly less interesting avenues. Yeah, I think that you're right. I think uh, Tony Leung, he is, uh, he's great here. And his character is great and his character is complicated. And I enjoy watching that complication because it's not a simplistic villain who is completely evil there's a little bit of both inside of him i'm going to say something i don't know if it's going to be controversial but i'd love to get your opinion on this when we talked about the black widow movie and scarlett johansson's character i mentioned that i i think her black widow character is one of these unsung heroes in the mcu but her character kind of took a backseat or was a little less interesting in her own film. And I was we were both a little disappointed, if I remember correctly. I think you were too. Disappointed in that. I think that Samu Liu, who plays Shang-Chi, I, I felt like his character was missing a little bit of development. I felt like he wasn't as charismatic as maybe he could have been. And I didn't feel a deep attachment there i mean other than the fact that like he he is a good person and he is a protagonist and he seems like a likable per individual i just i i didn't feel a lot there i i, I like aquafina i think she's really funny in, in it and basically she's great in everything she does uh i like her a lot i thought she was she was great as this sort of sidekick but how did you feel how did you feel 
about Shang-Chi's character, Kevin. Okay, well, here's the thing, is I think the the script for this movie is really bad. And mm. like, it just... The the comic relief is I you know I'm like you that you know I like Aquafina okay and in general I don't have a problem with the kind of the the quippy nature of the Marvel movies in, in general I think that the kind of the the banter between the characters and the relationships are are often the most interesting aspects of the films. And so that was another thing that surprised me about this one is watching it. It just felt like the the screenplay was really letting the actors down. Simu Liu's uh, Shang Chi he doesn't really have a discernible like there, there's there's it, it's almost as if the the script can't really decide what it's doing with him. Like what is what is his internal conflict? He he's got this obviously complicated relationship with his father he you know he misses his mother um he has been trained by his father to be an assassin and yet he's repudiated that and yet he feels angst about uh his assassin training it seems like there's kind of all this stuff floating around him that at any point threatens to cohere into something interesting but the movie never really settles on it it's it's just kind of condensed to suggest Mm -hmm. that uh shang chi like has some guilt about becoming like his father and uh he wants he he misses his father and yet you know he he misses being part of a family and yet he doesn't want to be part of his family's legacy and it just it doesn't feel like simu leo really has a coherent character to play and that i think is part of the reason why you're you're you you have you come away with the impression that you did and which I did too where it just feels like he's just there's not a whole lot to him he feels kind of bland or opaque and there's not really a whole lot there and because there's you know the the standard issue banter in this movie which it's it 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 does it just feels like there's the movie's being pulled in a lot of different directions at once and it kind of tries to hastily spackle over a lot of it with you know with the comic relief from aquafina and from uh other characters who will remain nameless to not spoil anything <laughs> yeah. um and he, like there it's not like there's anything wrong with comic relief characters but the comic relief has to be funny first of all and it has to not distract from what the movie is about and i feel like this is a screenplay that just is constantly being distracted by the next thing and doesn't really know how to move from plot point to plot point. So you get scenes where literally one character uh, kicks down a wall and says, good news, I found a secret tunnel that gets us to the place we need to go. Don't ask how I know this. I just kind of know it. Okay, let's go. And then and then they go off and do it. And just, it feels sloppy, which mm. is odd because, you know, Marvel movies, you know, they may be slaves to formula or they may not. Uh, but they never feel to me like the the screenplays. The screenplays almost feel like they're doctored to within an inch of their lives. But they don't feel sloppy. This one felt a little bit sloppy, which is just it's just it's odd, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it's barely being held together by the strength of its cast, even as they don't really have a whole lot to work with. Yeah, and and it might be. I, I just watched the first Iron Man, and then I watched Iron Man two with with Priscilla and the kids, and. Even in Iron Man 2, which might be 
the worst MCU film, at least one of the worst MCU films. Robert Downey Jr.'s character has an arc there. He's he's getting through this god complex, and as as sketchy as the story is, and and as messy as it is, and as much as it feels like a setup for the first Avengers movie, uh, his character is is charismatic. It's he's written well, and he goes on this journey. Now, I think the first Iron Man is really fantastic as it pertains to his personal journey here. The personal journeys that we see feel perfunctory. I do agree that the screenplay gets lost. I, I don't necessarily credit the comic relief. Uh, I, I do think maybe the movie will lean on that a little too much at times, but it, it does. It just gets, I don't know, it just feels a little sloppy. A character gets a note that tells them where to go. Oh, and then another character is like, oh, I sent that. It, it just doesn't feel right and as a result the law of diminishing returns occurs with this movie now like i said i still i still like it i think i think it's fine and i'm sure i'll i'm sure i'll see it again but i didn't quite grasp some of the big idea and i know this is a movie about family uh but there's also this emphasis on the characters growing up and running from adulthood, at one point, a family member says, moving on is an American idea. And we, we, don't, we don't see that with Shang-Chi's character. We see the, that individual kind of grappling with his family's history, but we don't see him enter adulthood here. I think we're probably told that, but, but we don't see that development firsthand. And as a result... The characterization for me is 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 thin and kind of keeps me. I guess I don't know if you say at a distance, but I, I just I'm not as invested as I probably should be with that character. Well, yeah, and you're you're right that the 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 thread about uh, Shang Chi and his friend Katie uh, kind of being in the state of a, a arrested development where they're they're kind of just they're working these dead end jobs as valets and you know they they kind of they're not really going anywhere and they they like it that way but there's also the sense that they're they're doing it almost to sort of protect themselves from failure i mean it's you know it it's not like it's just thrown in there with no payoff there's at, at the climax aquafina's katie you know she's she's drawn into this battle where she's kind of been a third wheel for most of the film and she actually participates in the battle uh towards the end and she kind of realizes that uh one of the reasons why she was kind of in these dead end jobs is because she just didn't want to run the risk of finding something she was good at and just pursuing it with with everything she she had so i mean there's a payoff there i'm just not sure that it's a payoff that belongs in the same movie with this you know this age-old familial mm -hmm. conflict and a you know a, a message about the 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 corruption of power and the the complex feelings that can happen between family members especially between fathers and sons that kind of feels where the movie's heart is and you see that really in the climactic confrontation between shang chi and his father um not giving anything away but the way that culminates it's a you know it's probably the most emotionally affecting part of of the film and 
it feels like that's just a, a one. It, it's a wonderful moment hmm. in a movie that kind of has lost the plot a little bit in, in some cases, literally. And yeah. The, and there's just so much uh, chaos around it. You can kind of just want it to hone in on, on that one thing that works rather than these other subplots and thematic threads, which could be interesting. They just don't really seem like they they're the most interesting thing about this particular film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think too at the end of the movie, it seems like it wants to say something about uh, our souls, uh, ancestry. Uh, these there are these creatures that suck away the souls of certain individuals, and I remember thinking, okay, is this about what we give our soul to? Is this about? Uh, power and and corruption and the film didn't really touch on that Um, but moving away from some of those thematic elements and even the story i think visually this is a really uh well shot film for the most part i like that magical forest at the beginning of the movie we see that a, a couple of times i like some of the neon lighting throughout the film I like a lot of the action sequences, and particularly as we get to the big sort of climactic fight. At the beginning, uh, it's sort of brighter. It's sort of during the day, and it it seems different than many of the more moodier MCU fight sequences. Now, it does get moody and and dark and, and stormy, but I liked the film's willingness to show something different. Uh, there's there's this uh, shot on a bus early in the movie uh, that was also really well done, and it's sort of this um, traditional pan a bus as action occurs inside. So we see it in a lot of films where someone's fighting or doing something inside of a bus, and they're passing through the windows, and the camera's on the outside, just kind of moving across. That was fun. It was fun to see uh, martial arts in this way. And some of the other sequences. So I, I do like some of the experimentation. I do like some of the, the visual elements with this film. And uh, and I, I like I said, I would like to see more of, of this world. And I'm I'm sure, given the box office numbers, that we will here in, in the future. Yeah, that uh, fight scene on the bus is probably the movie's uh, highlight, at least as far as the, the action goes. Mm-hmm. It's... It's uh, it's interesting to watch. It's kind of got a, a Jackie Chan vibe. There, there's, you know, it's it's exciting, but there's also kind of there, there's it, it's comedic as well. And the the stunt work and fight choreography is is really inventive and fun to watch. It's it's one of the the few MCU sequences where I actually kind of felt tense. I guess like I I was I was excited. Mm-hmm. I, I found it exciting, and I was really you know a little bit uh breathless about it and i it wasn't the action in this movie i guess or at least the 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 better action sequences in this movie really don't invite you to tune out in the same way that i feel like a lot of mcu films do for me personally there's there's just a cleanness to the choreography and inventiveness to it that I I really appreciate, and of course it's all shot. You know the the cinematographer for for this movie is William Pope, also known as Bill Pope. I mean this this is the guy who shot the Matrix films, 
the the original Spider-Man trilogy uh, with Sam Raimi. Like, yeah. this is a guy who knows how to how to shoot these kinds of films, and I think he does a really wonderful job. I just it, it's it's one of those situations where it just the the movie lets lets him down just as much as it lets the the rest of the cast down for me. I just there's there's so many individual good moments in this film that I I'm hesitant to say that I dislike it because I do think that on balance it's it's pretty entertaining and there's a lot that to find compelling about it but at the same time those those interesting moments they kind of feel like isolated places hmm. in a in a sea of chaos you know there's just there's so much in this film that doesn't work that I I'm not comfortable calling it a good film either. It's just kind of, it's in between. And it just, for me, I guess it just represents a real, a real missed opportunity. Like Marvel knew how they wanted to kind of break the mold a little bit, Mm -hmm. but they didn't want to break the mold too much. So we start off with that great uh, fight scene in the forest that really does break the mold for the MCU. And then by the end, we're back to giant CGI battle scenes that don't really mean anything other than that you know fireworks to provide eye candy for the audience Mm -hmm. yeah so uh we'll just mcu films for 2021 uh black widow or shang chi which which one if you had to choose just one which one would you go with oh shang chi obviously like black widow was was not good uh, um, I do think that on balance though, like these, these are on the weaker side of, of the Marvel movies for me. Like I, I would watch Shang-Chi again. Maybe I would watch just maybe the first half an hour and mm. then I'd be like, okay, I don't feel like I need to watch the rest because that mm. first half hour is really good. But, uh, hopefully, hopefully they can find a way to pursue the uh, the mold-breaking stuff that's interesting and leave some of the, the other parts of the formula on the cutting room floor with future films. Yeah, I would say this is probably, you know, if there's, what, 20-something of them now, uh, it would probably definitely be in the, I think the back, probably the back half. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say the bottom but but the 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 back half uh, would be listeners. That is our review of Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. You don't have to see the Legend of Rings one through nine to understand this film. You can hop straight on into it. That was a terrible joke, but I'm just gonna roll with that, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> and the movie is currently playing in theaters nationwide. Let us know your thoughts. A lot of people have seen this. Like I mentioned before, it did really well at the box office. You can tweet us at cbeliefpod, at cbeliefpod. You can also email us, seeingandbelievingcapc at gmail.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kevin, this is the end of our show. It's at this point that we recommend something from the world of television and or film to our listeners. What would you like to recommend to our listeners today? 
Well, I was trying to think of, of films where you know I really have really good martial arts action from China, and um, the, you know obviously you know Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is really great, but everyone's seen that you know the, or at least everybody knows of it. It's it's a great movie. Go watch it. Uh, but the movie I wanted to recommend is maybe a little bit less seen. It's a 2004's Kung Fu Hustle, directed by <laughs> okay. Stephen Chow. And uh, this is a a movie that is just a lot of fun. It's it basically, it, it's a comedy. It's a martial arts comedy. It's kind of got this Looney Tunes vibe almost to it. Mm. The the way that Stephen Chow conceives of these action sequences. You know, there's there's martial arts, of course, but you know, people's uh, abilities uh, kind of are hugely exaggerated and outlandish. There's one character who's uh, martial art is to just really just scream really loud and blow everybody away with the force of her scream. There's a scene where uh, one character is is chasing another on foot, and they're they're literally running like you know the Road Runner and Wiley e. Coyote, you know, on the in a in a Looney Tunes cartoon, and it's just uh, it it's kind of got this rubbery you know bodies can do almost anything in this movie, and it's just lot really inventive. And lots of fun. And I don't know. I, I think if, if you're looking for a, a martial arts movie that, you know, maybe isn't Jackie Chan, but, you know, kind of has that same kind of spirit in terms of just wanting to go all out and be a little anarchic with the way that uh, uh, people can do stunts and the way mm. that CGI can maybe aid that in ways that you're maybe not as familiar with, that would be a great movie for you to watch. Uh, again, it's 2004's Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah. So I, I don't know if we've talked about this in the past. I've seen cl- I've seen clips of it. I don't, I don't think I've seen the whole film. I feel like I've probably seen the whole film, but I don't I don't know if I have. Um, but what I have seen is very, is very funny. Uh, so no, that's a that's a really good pick, Kevin. I I uh, I I like that. I like that a lot. And. I, I did see his pre or his his most recent work, The Mermaid, I believe it was, which is just kind of wild uh, as well. So yeah, I like that pick. Yeah, it's a good one. I haven't really seen any of Chow's films past Kung Fu Hustle, so I, I need to check that out. But uh, yeah, this this one's a good one for sure. Uh, what do you have for your recommendation this week? So Kevin, there was a film released this year, not too long ago from Steven Soderbergh that we did not review on the show, which is kind of crazy to think about. I saw it recently. It's streaming on HBO Max. It's called No Sudden Move. Ah. Yeah, yeah. It's got Benicio Del Toro. It's got Don Cheadle, John Hamm. Brendan Fraser is in it. And Kevin, I like this movie. I think it's a pretty good film. It is a heist film. But it's nothing like the Oceans movie uh, movies. It it shows you what happens when you get a bunch of bunch of low lives together. Uh, things don't go usually according to plan. You've got crosses, double crosses, triple crosses. It, it, yeah, it's just it's just really wild. And what I appreciate about Soderbergh here is not just his his style and the story that he's telling. But the way that he makes you feel for even characters you probably shouldn't like, uh, you're invested in their story. So, so if you haven't seen No Sudden Move and you're interested in seeing a bunch of low lives do low life stuff, uh, definitely check it out. Hopefully, it'll be up your wheelhouse. 
Yeah, that is a really that's a really good recommendation, and I'm so glad. Well, we'll make a Soderbergh fanboy out of you yet. We, <laughs> we, we just need to we, we need to you know get get you started with the right things. But it's really gratifying to see him working so much. You know, there there's a time where he kind of like pseudo retired and said he wasn't going to make movies anymore. Now he's back and working at a really steady clip. So I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm really glad that he's making movies. And, you know, as far as heist movies go, I don't think there's really a, a director who makes them better these days. Like he's just, he's so good at, at, at what he does. And I, I don't know, I, mm-hmm. I, I like his work a lot. I, you know, I don't know if I talked about this or recommended it, but I, I think it was last year. I think it was last year. I saw Out of Sight for the first time. And that's oh. a re- that's a really great film. I mean, it oh, is very it's so good, good. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's uh, I I hadn't seen it before, but man, that's I mean, and, and Clooney and, and uh, Jennifer Lopez are they're both really great in that movie. A lot of great chemistry, great story. So yeah, that's a that's a that's a pretty good film, Kevin. So I guess that could be another recommendation. Yeah. Well, that there you go. Those are uh, four recommendations from from hey. all of us. We got Crouching Crouching Tiger, Kung Fu Hustle, No Sudden Move, Out of oh, Sight. Man. Can't go wrong. No, I haven't seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in a while, and it is uh, so good. It's good. Um, I need to watch it again. Listeners, thank you for checking out this week's episode. It's brought to you, as always, by ChristinPopCulture.com. Our producer is Jonathan Clausen, who every week helps us to search for the sacred on screen. I'm Wade Bearden. My co-host is Kevin McLenathan. And until next time, this is Seeing and Believing. We'll see you later. You have been listening to Seeing and Believing, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Alexander Osborne and Lindsay Miz used under Creative Commons License 3.0. This episode was brought to you in part by Wheaton College's M.A. in Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership, which prepares Christian professionals to serve others faithfully and excellently. Called to help people facing disasters, human trafficking, poverty, or displacement as refugees? Visit wheaton.edu hdl.